Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen. Good morning, good morning. Hey, yes, listen. Parents, if you are a parent in the room and you have a 6th to a 12th grader, I'm not going to make you stand up, but you know who you are. If you're a student, I'd make you stand up. Get them to this, get them to, to this event. This is the biggest thing we will do all year. You just heard every bit about it. I tell students every week, you're gonna hear me say this four times before you leave on a Wednesday night to get to GS weekend. It is, it is absolutely unbelievable weekend. Back in the day, we'd call it a D now, but we're way, hip, way more hip than that, so we just, we just take the, the letters out of words now and just spell something. We say GS weekend, that's what we're calling it. So, uh, but it is gonna be awesome, you guys. Life-changing event for our students, that's what we do. So. Uh, well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Super excited to be here. Um, it, it is an honor to be here. It is, uh, it is, I get to hang out with students, and I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, and uh, it's, it's way different than, than being here on a Sunday morning. Um, of course, I just preached this last service, and it's like, all right, these are adults. They're different than Wednesday, 100%, right? Students, I can be like, hey, be quiet. You know, I don't have to worry about you guys, because you guys are quiet anyway, so. It's awesome, and the people online, and Walton, and, and Oconee, you guys are super quiet, so I appreciate your participation, but, um, but no, hey, listen, so I'm, I'm in student ministry, so uh, student ministry, I am in student ministry because it's awesome, um, and if you're in student ministry here, where's my student people at? Where's my student, this is so good. If you're in student ministry with us, you know why, because it's awesome. We do things like Color Clash, and Water Wars, and GS Weekend, and GS Weekend, and GS Weekend, get a GS Weekend, subliminal messaging, there you go. Um, but we have fun, we have a ton of fun. Um, you know, in, in, in student world, like I can hit somebody in the face with a water balloon and not get in trouble. I couldn't do that here, you know? Like I can't, I can't, we, I can shoot somebody with a Nerf gun uh, and not get in trouble. Like here, that would be frowned upon. So, um, but student ministry is awesome. I'm so passionate about it, I love it. Students are fun, student world is fun. Um, but there, as you know, there's a lot of ministries in the church. You know, there's worship ministry and, and there's coffee. There's so many different pieces of the puzzle. And another one of those is kid ministry. And I'll tell you the truth. Like people are like, oh, well, kid ministry and, and student ministry, they're, you know, they, they come from the same line. No, we don't. I could not do, I could not do kid ministry. Okay, and I wanna show you why I can't do kid ministry. I'm gonna throw this up on the screen. Um, this right here, friends, uh, that's my kids. That's my two kids. I have two kids that are, I have three kids. These are my two girls, five-year-old, three-year-old, then we have a little three-month-old. I can't even contain those two, okay? So there's no way I'm gonna be able to contain your littles, okay? Uh, so that is why I'm not in kid ministry right there. No, I love my kids. They're amazing. They're the light of our life. Um, and my wife is amazing at keeping them fed because uh, that's not, uh, if, we, if it was up to me to keep us fed, it would just not be good, okay? So... Uh, but kid ministry is one of those, those things that it's a must in the church. Well, you have to have it. I'm just glad I don't have to do it, okay? Um, so as you can imagine right now, in my house, it's chaos. It's crazy. Um, five-year-old Penelope, three-year-old Emerson, and three-month-old Paxton. Uh, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's chaos. I've coined the girls, the chaos crew, because that's just what they are. They bring chaos wherever they go. Except on church or at school, I hear nothing but the good things. They're like, oh, she's the best, she's so good. She's like, what are you talking about? How is that a thing? Well, as you can imagine, our morning routine is a little crazy as well. Uh, so we got one kid going to one school, another kid going to a, a different school for three days a week, and then Paxton's going either to one grandma or the other grandma or staying at home. So it's crazy. But I want to give you a little glimpse into my morning routine. Um, keep in mind, this has nothing to do with what Tay is juggling at the exact same moment in time. 
What, I, what my job is, one of my jobs is, hey, Penelope, get your shoes on, okay? Like, it's time, it's 8.20, we gotta get out the door, you're gonna be late. So I said, hey, baby, go put your shoes on. And she looks up and she says, Keep him, like she just looks straight at me. Daddy, I can't find them. I'm like, you didn't even look. You didn't even bother. What are you talking about? You didn't find them. Like, you can't see them. Uh, Daddy, I can't find them. Okay, well, they're, they're over in the laundry room. Go, go put your shoes on, get ready. So I go to the bathroom to get Emerson, see if I can get her to, to brush her teeth or something. Just, just get sort of ready. If I can get a toothbrush in her mouth, it's a win. Okay, that's it. I don't even care if you brush. Just do that. I come back. I come back to the, the laundry room. There's Penelope. And I said, baby, why, why aren't your shoes on? What? I forgot. <laughs> awesome, awesome, you forgot. Like, I gave you one task, just, I forgot. I said, okay, well, just put your shoes on. I head back to the, uh, the water war that just took place in the bathroom as a three-year-old attempted to brush her teeth, clean that mess up. I come back, I see Penelope, she's sitting at the kitchen table, she's coloring, she's got her socks on. No shoes in sight, coloring and doodling and, and crafting, I said, baby, why aren't your shoes on? Like, we have to go. And, she's, and, then, and then this is the best part, and you guys know what I'm talking about. You know what happens. Well, I just, I gotta finish. I just, let me finish. Just, I, 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 hold on, hold on. Can I say something? Can I say something? But, no, you can't, because we have to go. Put your, but I just, I have to finish. I have to finish. Just let me finish this one thing, and then we can go. Believe it or not, we do make it out the door. Eventually, we do make it out the door, and uh, you know, we, we roll in a car, pull on two wheels, and I give it the old like yoga circus stretch of like, you guys know what I'm talking about. You're, you're half on the brake, red clip, black clip, boom, hug, kiss, prayer, lunch, don't forget it, out the door, and she's at school, and we made it on time, and I'm like, yes, we've accomplished it. We've done it, and now I'm off to the next carpool. It doesn't start for another hour, so that's awesome. Uh, but I want to rewind for a minute. I want to go back to Penelope's um, initial response to me. And she said, I said, baby, hey, go put your shoes on. And she said this. She said, daddy, I can't find them. Keep in mind, she didn't really even look yet, okay? But she, her initial response was, you know what? I can't find them. I can't find them, okay? Um, and the question I want to ask us today as we explore, as we dive back in here is this, is why is it, why can two people look at and hear the same thing but see and hear something totally different. And I wanna explore this question today. Why does one person hear something and another person doesn't? Why can, how can somebody see one thing and the other person see it, but see something totally different? Her shoes were there the whole time. They're pink on, on hardwoods, so they were there, all right? Uh, well, today we're gonna be diving back into the book of Acts. We're gonna be talking about advancing the kingdom of God. This series has been so good that Jonathan's been bringing. And uh, we're gonna continue to, to walk in, walking through Acts. And we're gonna be specifically in chapter six and seven and a little bit of chapter eight. And what I wanna do is just summarize a little bit. We're gonna be talking about Stephen. First martyr, spoiler alert, first guy to die for the Christian faith. Uh, that's the guy we're looking at today. <clears throat> and so starting in chapter six, like I said, I wanna give a brief summary of this and before we get into some specifics of it, okay? Um, Chapter six, the church is growing rapidly, like super fast, it's blowing up, awesome things are happen, happening, and people are coming to, to know Jesus. And, but what's happened is things are growing so rapidly that there's, there's become some discontentment between the Jewish Christians and some Greek Christians, okay, uh, in the church. That doesn't sound familiar at all, does it? There's like turmoil in the church, people don't like each other in the church, that's not a thing, what? Get out of here. Um, student ministry humor, sorry. Um, but here's what's happening is, is the, Greeks, the, Greek, the Greek Christians are like, hey, listen, our widows are being neglected when it comes to the rationing of food. And so, 
So like, all right, they've hostile stepped back. Like, we got to fix this. All right, we can't have this. Uh, and so what they do is they, they say, we, let's, let's appoint seven guys that are full of the Holy Spirit, that are well-respected, that, that are wise, you know, okay? Well, Stephen is one of these guys. Okay, this is chapter six. So Stephen's appointed along with six other guys. And then in verse eight of chapter six, we see Stephen um, and so some of the Jews begin to have an argument, to have a debate. Well, Stephen's way smarter than them. Uh, <laughs> so they don't like it because Stephen's like pretty wise and he's got some things to say. And, <clears throat> and so what happens is they get angry and they start spreading lies and rumors and they get him thrown in prison. And so now Stephen's thrown in prison. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Um, and so uh, chapter seven comes along and now we have Stephen uh, before the council. Now he's in front of the Jewish council. And they're like, hey, what do you got to say for yourself, Stephen? And Stephen basically takes all chapter seven here and, and he, he kind of lays out the Jewish history from, from um, like Abraham all the way through Solomon. Basically like saying, giving examples of stuff like, hey, this is, you know, and it's like, keep in mind too, like they knew this already. But Stephen's saying all these things, saying something that's familiar to them, and then ends with this, with saying, you know what? You're no different than them. You're no different than your ancestors who persecuted and killed the prophets of their time. Now you're just doing this to me. And I'm not a master in human psychology, okay, but I'm pretty sure that's where he loses them, uh, where he might have rubbed them the wrong way. Check this out in chapter uh, seven, verse 54, starting in verse 54, it says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and they all rushed him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. So at this, they dragged Stephen out of the city and they began to stone him based off of what he's just said. Now, Stephen's, Stephen's view and the way that he saw things was drastically different than the people he was talking to. Their view of the situation was completely different than Stephen's. And what I'm talking about specifically, like in the context of this, is when we talk about views, what I'm really referring to is like a, wor a worldview, your ideologies. And so I'm gonna throw this definition up on the, on the screen real quick. It's a collection of beliefs about life uh, and the universe held by an individual or group, all right? So why talk about these? Why am I talking about these? Because this, because they directly affect the way that we react, the way we live, the way we live our lives, the way we treat the people we come in contact with. It's the lens through which we see the world and the way that we interpret it. And for Stephen and the Jews specifically, it was, it was the lens through which they saw Jesus, okay? So, so Jesus, or sorry, Stephen is seeing Jesus through this lens of like, hey, this is the promised Messiah. This is the guy that we've been waiting on. And the, the, the Jewish high council is like, no, it's not. Like, we don't see it that way. And all right, I do this in student world. So my student people are probably gonna do this in a minute. And you're gonna be like, what are they doing, weirdos? Uh, and students, I, I, gotta, I gotta make sure they're listening. So I ask them, I say, hey, you guys lean in. And so it literally means I ask them to lean off their seat a good like foot, foot and a half so that I know they're listening. This is one of those lean in moments. So I'm gonna say lean in, and I see some people leaning. Okay, excellent, okay, all right, let's go, let's go. Um, here it is, what we believe about Jesus is going to directly influence the way that we behave. Okay, lean back, thank you guys for leaning, thank you. I forgot to tell them to lean back last service, and uh, so somebody's back was hurting, it was bad. Um, but what we believe about Jesus is gonna directly influence the way that we behave. 
And guys, for Christians, what we believe about God is gonna directly influence the way that we see the world and the way that we interpret it. So the question I asked was this, is, is why, why can two people look at and hear the same thing but see and hear something totally different? And the context of this verse, it's simple, it's their worldview. It's, it's, their, it's the way they're seeing things, it's this lens there. The Jews saw it through this view, through this lens of tradition and history and like, hey, this is what we know to be true and right, like here it is. And Stephen sees it through like, no, like that's great, but this is the Messiah, this is the guy. But they couldn't see it from Stephen's point of view. And so the question's why. Why couldn't they see it like Stephen saw it? Why can't Penelope see it the way I see it? Hey, baby, put your shoes on. We got places to go and people to see and all the things. Like, I know the day ahead of us. Like, why can't you just see it from my perspective? And the, but, but here's the deal. The bigger and more important question is this, friends, and this is what I'm gonna ask of us today is, is why can't a lost world see the love of God? Stephen saw it. Why couldn't the Jews who persecuted him? We see it, we felt it, we've experienced it, okay? But, but why can't our coworkers or why can't our friends, why can't even our family members see it the way we see it? And it's a huge question, huge question for the Christian faith, for us as believers of Jesus to walk through the doors of a church and say, yes, I believe in Jesus, and yes, let's go to small group and do all these things. And like, yeah, absolutely, but, but the big, like, we're called to, to spread the word and share the gospel, but, but for some reason, the world's not seeing it, and they're not hearing it. And so these first three points I'm gonna talk about, they're, they're focused on the external, they're focused on the world, okay? Um, and I'm talking specifically about the people who have heard about Jesus but didn't receive it. All right, and you guys have heard, probably heard this parable of the sower before that Jesus shares, and it's in Matthew chapter 13. I encourage you, read the whole book of Matthew, but um, it's focused on chapter 13 here. I'm gonna share some specifics, and these are just bits and pieces um, as Jesus is explaining this parable, all right? Uh, why can't a lost world see the love of God? And the first is this, is the world has found fulfillment elsewhere. This is Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word and it proves unfaithful. Now this is something that's big in student ministry, okay? Like people, relationships, friends, they're finding fulfillment elsewhere purchases and things, material things, like, oh, these things will make me happy, these things will make me happy, that relationship will make me happy, and if I can just pour into that, then cool, that's great, awesome. Why do I need Jesus to make me happy when I have you know, influential friends and a huge, a huge house and a, su a supermodel wife, a boat and a brand new car? Who needs Jesus? <laughs> and maybe that's some of us today, but you know, the truth is like we're finding this fulfillment, the world is finding fulfillment uh, in a place that it, where it never really existed in the first place. And the second point is this, that the world just doesn't understand it. This is Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and, it does, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Friends, they don't see their sin much less think they're a sinner. Maybe they don't think there's anything wrong with the way they're living. It's like, you know what, I'm, I'm a good 
I'm a good person. I've had these conversations many a time. I go, no, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm like, yeah, you are a good dude. You're a sinner. <laughs> I'm a sinner. Okay, but they, they, don't, they don't see anything wrong with it. And, and, and here it is, too. As, 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 long as, you know, as long as they're not hurting anyone and they're not bothering anybody else, like, let them do their thing, right? Let's, let, let them, it's all good. Let them, let them, they're not bothering you, so, like, let's just, let's just leave them alone. Friends, if your toddler was on the edge of a cliff and they were walking on the edge, okay, I want you to just picture this for a minute. If you had somebody you cared about and they are walking on this edge and they're not hurting another soul in the world, they're not bothering anybody, they're not offending anybody, they're doing their own thing and they're just waddling along, walking along this 100-foot cliff, would you stop them? Yes, you would stop them. The scary part of that whole scenario is this, is that if you yell at them in that moment, you may risk pushing them over the edge. And this, unfortunately, friends, is the world that we live in. If our approach to sharing the gospel is to scream at the top of our lungs because we're, we don't want somebody to go to hell, you know what, like, that, that may work sometimes, but friends, like, we're, we're gonna risk losing people for eternity as a result of that. And I know some people, some people may say, well, we're, we're gonna water down the gospel then, right? We're gonna water it down so that people can digest it and they will get it more, and friends. That's not at all what I'm saying, so please don't hear me in that. Please don't hear me in that. We're not watering down the gospel. What I'm talking about, friends, is this, is here, the world that we live in is not as it's always been. The world we live in is more accepting of different ways of life than any time in history. Okay, there is a group for anyone and everyone and everyone's accepted into those groups. This isn't like a bad thing, okay? I'm not saying like, oh, no, it's great that people are being loved on, absolutely. But you know what? They don't need the church to love them. They don't need people to show Jesus, to say, hey, yeah, listen, we love them and then, and then tell them a sinner because you know what? They've just got somebody who's just gonna tell them that they love them. So you see what we're, you see what we're competing against here. And if we don't adapt, okay, if we don't change our way of thinking and our strategy here, like we're gonna continue to lose people again and again, and we're gonna continue to alienate the church from the lost. And again, I'm not talking about watering down the gospel. Hear me in that. We're not watering down the gospel. But what I am talking about is sharing the truth and sharing the love of the gospel the way that Jesus did, by treating sinners the way that Jesus did. And so the first point of this, friends, is this, is, is three quick examples, is we stop judging them. And you guys know this verse, Matthew chapter seven, verse one and two. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. These are Jesus's words written in red. Jesus took time out of his day to make sure this was in the word and tell us, stop judging people. In other words, stop looking at their sin. That's not for you. And the second part is this, that goes along with it, is, is Show mercy to the sinner caught in sin. We're gonna look at John chapter eight here in a second. This woman is caught in adultery and, they, and she's brought before Jesus and they ask and they say, hey Jesus, again they're trying to trick Jesus because that's just what they did, right? Like <laughs> trying to trick him into, into getting in trouble and they say, Jesus, like the book of Moses says we should stone this woman. What do you say we should do? And Jesus, in Jesus' fashion, totally messing with their heads, is doodling on the ground in the dirt. <laughs> like, I just think like, uh, I'm just gonna mess with him for a minute. And he stands up and, and here's where we leave off. Ch chapter eight, verse seven. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first 
to throw a stone at her. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus shows extraordinary, overwhelming mercy to a woman caught in sin. Friends, she wasn't accused of sin. She wasn't wrongfully accused of anything. She was caught in sin. There was no doubt about it. She was the sinner and that the, the, the law of Moses said to stone her. And so they bring her to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do we do with this? And man, what a, what a great answer. He said, hey, if you haven't sinned, you can stone her. How about that? All right, cool. I'm gonna doodle in the ground some more, you know? And they all leave. Because Jesus is showing, showing like, hey, this, that's not for you. That's not for you. That's bigger. That's bigger than what, than what you think you can do with your life. Right? So, but here's the deal. Is he, he doesn't give her a free pass. At the end of that, he says, sin no more. He says, hey, you know what? Like, I'm gonna show you mercy, 100%. Sinner, you are a sinner. You've been caught in sin. I'm gonna show you this mercy, but you know what? I want you to go and sin no more, okay? Which leads to this next point of how Jesus treated sinners is this, is to speak the truth. Okay, we're, we gotta stop judging them, right? And, and show them mercy. But at the end of the day, we have to speak the truth to them. And this is what I'm talking about. We're not watering down the gospel here. We're gonna speak the truth, okay? But here's the truth, is that people would rather be told a lie that makes them happy than the truth that makes them hurt. Now, some people conclude that Jesus was this, uh, was only gentle when it came to talking to sinners and he was just, you know, the, the God of the New Testament, like, yes, love, 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 love. And yes, that's very true, but we also gotta think and, and look at some other examples here. There were times when Jesus spoke and drove away crowds and droves of people because he was clear about the truth. And even when it wasn't popular, even when it, it wasn't the, 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 he wasn't just trying to gather a bunch of crowds and get a big following. No, like that's not what it's about. It's, he was on this mission to share this truth and love in a profound way. But this is one of those lean in moments. All right, ready? If you want to lean, come on. Oh, you guys are way better than the first service. I want to tell you that. So thank you guys. Thank you for that. Uh, here's the deal. The crowd didn't scatter because Jesus was rude or judgmental. All right, lean back. Thank you, guys. That was great. It was awesome. If our attitude or our anger turns people from Jesus, we have a thousand percent missed the point. We have to share this truth gently, gently and respectfully, but we have to stand for it nonetheless. So this is the wire we're walking on, okay? Especially in this, keep in mind the context of the world that we live in. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, but give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. So what does that look like in your life? Because when it comes to how we treat sinners, to me it's crystal clear. There's no judging, there's no angry judging, there's just overwhelming, astonishing, like mercy and love, because that's the way Jesus did it. And I truly believe when we lead with this, friends, when we lead with that, we're gonna open the door to sharing these hard truths. 
Now, will everyone receive it? No. No, not everyone's going to receive it. Are people going to turn from you because that? Yeah, they, they did from Jesus. But it doesn't change the fact that it needs sharing. It doesn't change the fact that God still calls us to share the truth with him. But again, people would rather be told a lie that, hurt, uh, a lie that makes them happy than the truth that makes them hurt, okay? That's what we're fighting against. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm married 10 years, 11 years, 11 years, sorry, 11 years. And I know, <laughs> okay, all right, digging a hole, here we go. Um, I am way smarter than, than, than the newlywed guy who's, hey, does this look good on me? It always looks good on her, don't, you can lie in that moment. No, okay, no, I'm not telling you to lie, but of course, we wanna know, we wanna, we want the, yes, I wanna, be, yeah, okay, you guys get what I'm saying there, okay. We would rather be told a lie that makes us happy than a truth that makes us hurt. Okay, this is the world. This is what we're fighting against, okay? And this, this points towards my, my third point here of, of why the lost world can't see the love of God. And it's this, it's the world is hurting. Matthew chapter 13, verse 20, 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, immediately he falls away. As pain is a powerful, powerful motivator. But it's the way we're designed. Like God didn't, that wasn't an accident, okay? We touch a hot stove, we're gonna remove our hand because we don't want our hand to melt off, all right? Uh, we were walking through the woods and we hit some prickly bushes on our legs. Uh, you're, you know, okay, don't walk into those knockout roses, okay? Like, those are gonna scratch you and mess you up. It's gonna hurt. But here's the deal. This is not just for our benefit, okay? We get so self-centered sometimes and we just think, oh, yes, that pain, that was so that I would get better and do these things. And yes, while that stings and hurts in a minute, friends, like, it was not just about you, it was for, for the survival of the rose, there's a much bigger picture than just the pain that we experience and we're going through, okay? But here's what I know about God and what I know about pain. And what I, if, if, we, if we say, like, you know what? We believe in God's word and we trust it to be true and right. Here's what we know about God. We know, we know this, okay? That in the midst of pain, that God never changes. I don't think anybody's debating that. That God is, God is sovereign and God is perfect and God doesn't change. And in the midst of pain, you know what? The only variables that, that do change are the ones that God would allow to change because God, again, is sovereign and powerful and also, like he gives us free will, but you know what? In the midst of everything, like he reigns over everything. So if something happens, God's allowing those things. But guys, the biggest one of those variables when it comes to pain, and if it's gonna change is us, is you. In the midst of pain, God will stay the same and we will choose to either, either turn to him for the good or we're going to change and we're gonna turn for the bad. We're gonna, we're gonna choose to trust God in these moments or we're gonna choose to turn from him. But here's the deal, is that to a world that is hurting and lost and broken, friends, they're gonna turn from God every single time if they've never heard about the love of Jesus. So here's the hard, hard truth about why a lost world can't see the love of God. I know I'm not making friends this morning and for that I apologize, sorry, not sorry. Why a lost world can't see the love of God is us. They have not seen and they have not heard because we have not told them. And we use any excuse in the book to justify this. 
I'm talking big excuse, small excuse. You know what, we're busy. Hey, I get it, life is busy. 100%, life is busy, it's crazy. We're 14 different directions every morning. Or you know what, and I use this, I've used this plenty of times, is they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't hear it anyway. Like I've mentioned God to them once or twice, I've invited them to church, and they're like, thanks. And they was cordial, everything is cool. And they're like, no, I appreciate it, but I'm good, I'm good. You know, so, so we say to ourselves, okay, well, I did all I could do there, you know? Um, or we had this, well, they're, they're gonna judge me, they're gonna mock me, they're gonna, they're gonna um, look at me differently. You know, this is big in student world. It's like, well, listen, I got a rep, you know? I got, I got kind of a reputation to carry. Okay, I'm the quarterback, I'm the football player, like, I'm the, whatever. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta keep that status, all right? I can't be like, whoa, at work, I can't be like showing people I'm a Jesus freak because then I won't get the promotion or I'll get, like, we, we have these real things that, they're not, they're not fake, okay? These are real issues that we're dealing with, but, but at the end of the day, like they turn into these things that will snowball. And we think, you know what, if I share Jesus with them, then they might not wanna be my friend. Are they gonna, or you know what, you know, it's just gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna be weird. And the truth is, I'm happy in my walk, okay? When I say this, walk, uh, what I'm referring to is, is, you know what, like, where are you at with Jesus right now? Where are you at in your walk? Because a lot of us were so focused on where we're at and the way it's been instead of what can be. This was the Pharisees, okay? This was, they were so focused on their way of life. They, they said, no, this is what we know. This is what, okay, this is it, this is it, this is it. This is what they saw. This is what they saw in their walk with God. This is Penelope in the morning with the shoes. It's like, baby girl, I know you want a color, but I don't care anymore. Just get your shoes on and get out the door. I see the day ahead of her. I know what's coming. I see the bigger picture. I know she's got school and she's smart as a whip. She's so smart, it's crazy, it's awesome. I don't think we need to tell her that anymore because she's getting really smart and like throwing stuff. I'm like, whoa, whoa, did not see that coming. But she has all this awesome stuff ahead of her for the day that I know is coming that she doesn't, you know? All these things is gonna cause her to grow and, and get smarter and, and, and get faster and, and grow up and all this. Man, but if we wanna see the kingdom of God advance and grow, friends, we've got to stop saying to ourselves, you know what, I'm doing enough by coming to church, by serving and going to small group. Because these are great things, friends. They're great things, but they're not gonna share the, the, this lost, hurting, broken world, the love of God. Now you've heard this question, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Before you assume where I'm going with this, just humor me, okay? I want you to think of one thing you're passionate about right now. I want you to think to yourself, yeah, it's, it's my work. And that's okay, there's nothing wrong with this. This isn't a trick question, okay? Maybe it's your work, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a hobby. Maybe you love cars, maybe, you're, maybe it's a sport. Maybe it's a video game, some of my students, you know, hey, video games are great, all right? What are you passionate about? What are you really, really passionate about? What's your hobby? Okay, and then I want you to think, what would it look like if nobody opposed you in your pursuit of that, okay? Here's what would happen. It would remove barriers completely. Okay, God's opened the door, wide open for us, but it would mean we have no excuse when it comes to pursuing that passion. Stephen knew what he was passionate about. 
The only difference between him and us, friends, is that he was opposed by those around him to the point of death. Now, we live in Loganville, we live in Athens, we live in Monroe, in between. Between is a town, it's between Loganville and Monroe for people that don't know that. But here's the deal is, is <laughs> I don't think that any of us have, have, I would venture to say none of us have experienced this opposition the way that Stephen did. And, and I think that because you know what? You're vertical and he's not. And the problem for most of us, again, is we're just happy where we're at and we will make these excuses to stay there. And so the question turns to this is, is are we passionate about spreading the gospel? And God's love the way that Stephen was so passionate about it. And the second part of that is what excuses are we making for not living that way? Because from where I'm standing, man, Stephen had way better excuses than anything we can come up with. In order for someone else to experience the love of God, friends, we've got to have somebody passionate enough to want to tell them. Love the feeling is a byproduct of love the verb. It's not the other way around. And the world says, no, no, what you feel is gonna determine what you do. But that's not the way we're designed. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's no, like, God calls us to do these things so that the world can feel the love of God. Love the feeling. The world will feel the love of God when we decide to act on it and we get out of, the, out of our way and we start seeing things from God's point of view. Guys, for someone to feel and experience the love of God, we've, we've got to show them what that looks like. We've, we've got to put the work in if we want to see the results. And the hard part is this, that sometimes, friends, it is inconvenient. And sometimes it's painful. And if anybody understood this, Stephen did. But I want you to listen to this. Listen to his, listen to his response with his dying breath. Acts chapter seven, verse 59 and 60, it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. See, he saw the bigger picture, friends. He understood that it was always, always, always about this forgiveness of sin, the forgiveness of sin, forgiveness of sin that is found in Jesus. And when we stop making it about us, friends, we start seeing things from God's point of view and we realize that the stuff that we may experience, the things, the excuses we make, and the way that we live our lives, friends, when we stop making it about us, we start seeing things God's point of view, and we start sharing the gospel the way God meant for us to. It was never about what, what we were willing to offer and always about what God already did and what God willingly gave. It was never about Stephen's pain, and it was always about God's plan. And here's how I know how. I want you to look at this, because look at chapter eight. Eight, uh, Acts chapter eight, just the first few verses here. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And you ask yourself, like, how can that be part of God's plan? Because I see nothing but pain and persecution in that and hurt. How can that be part of God's plan? And you look at the next verse. 
Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's part of God's plan. Not our pain, not the things we see in front of us. If we're called to share the love of God and we're called to spread the word and spread the gospel, friends, God's kingdom advanced as a result of Stephen giving his life for the gospel. I don't think, I'm pretty sure there's nothing else you can do that's bigger than that. The kingdom of God advanced because Stephen gave his life so willingly for the gospel. But let me remind us of this though, friends, is this, is that before he could ever, ever, ever give his life for the gospel, he lived his life for the gospel. This is what it means to truly follow Jesus, friends. We don't have to die a martyr's death to live a life that leads people to Jesus. We just gotta stop making the excuses and stop putting ourselves in a place of, you know what, it's about me and my pain, and yes, it stinks and it hurts, absolutely, but you know what, we know this about God, we know it to be true, that he has a bigger plan in play. And the question is not, why can't people see and hear, hear and experience the love of God? What I wanna leave us with is this, is this huge question of, you know what, why haven't we told them? Why haven't we told them? Who has not heard about Jesus because of me? Who has not heard about Jesus because of me? And I know there's, you're sitting there right now and you're saying to yourself, I got somebody in my head. I know somebody at work. I know a friend. I know a family member. And I want you to jot their name down. Write it down. Fold it up. Put it in your pocket. Pray over that person this week. Because at the end of the day, friends, if we want to see the kingdom of God advance and we, want, and we want that to happen, we've got to be passionate enough to do it. And we've got to have a plan. So I ask you that this morning. Who's not heard about Jesus because of me? And I want to encourage us this week to just pray over those names and get in the word. Pray over that person you wrote down. Pray over that person in your heart because I promise you this. If you will put that person on your heart and you will pray over them, Friends, we'll have hundreds of people that hear about Jesus this week. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Stephen. Thank you for his example. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. God, I pray this week that, that as, we, as we go into our places of work, as we go into our schools, God, that what's on our shoulders, what's on our hearts this week is, is this advancement of, of God's kingdom. Not the advancement of Grace Zone Church, not the advancement of our small group and making it bigger, but the advancement of people entering the kingdom of, of God one day. And so God, we just pray this uh, as a church that this week, God, we be real and we be honest with ourselves and with God and we ask ourselves, you know, who doesn't know Jesus because of me? God, thank you for Jesus and his perfect example. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages, our info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.